Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 166 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Steph, Alex's mom. Alex was a brilliant kid. He was super smart, took college-level classes in high school, and he had a personality that was just as amazing. But just because your kid is amazing and smart doesn't mean that their brain is fully matured and developed. Teenagers make rash decisions. Most of the time, these teens grow up to regret those decisions that they make. But in Alex's case, he made a decision that he couldn't go back on when he decided to end his own life. His family was shocked. The entire community was shocked. And we go through all of that today. I also want to take one last chance to talk about next week's upcoming live stream with Gwen. So that will be on Tuesday, November 22nd at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time. I will actually be with my aunt and my cousin out in Las Vegas, so I will be recording from there. And maybe if you come on the live stream, you will be able to catch a glimpse of either my Aunt Penny or my cousin Teresa, if you are lucky. Also, remember that the topic is for this I am thankful. So we are talking about different things that we are thankful for, even in this horrible time of grief. So come on, share your stories on the live stream or write them in ahead of time. Send us an email at marcy at andysmom.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook and write messages that way. Know that we'd love to hear from as many people as we can. It is really challenging to grieve during the holiday season. And I think it will be nice to try to find little things that we may be thankful for and we may be able to celebrate in a time when no one really feels like celebrating much as they grieve. One last thing I want to bring up before we start this week's interview is that if you have ever thought about being on the Always Andy's Mom podcast, now is the time to let me know. So usually I am booked out at least a couple of months ahead of time. And right now, I only have the next four weeks planned. So that means if you would love to share your story, please email me at marcy at andysmom.com because I would love to share the stories of more kids. So if you would like to do that, or if you know someone that you think would be a fantastic guest, email me their information too, or maybe reach out to them and ask them to email me because I certainly would love to be able to talk to more people. 
Thank you so much to my guest, Steph, for coming on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. I am excited to talk to you. Me too. Thanks for having me, Marcy. Yes. And before we even started recording, we got to reminisce a little bit about South Dakota because I don't think I had mentioned in a previous episode that I lived in South Dakota growing up for a while. But Steph is from South Dakota, so we got to talk about all things South Dakota today. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, why don't you start out, Steph, by just telling us about your sweet son, Alex. Thank you. Alex was our middle child uh-huh. and he was amazing. Yeah. He was kind to everyone yeah. from what we've heard, you know, even from people from school that they're like, you know, Alex always smiled at me yeah. and he was always kind to everyone. Mm-hmm. He had a great friend group and most of them would say Alex was their best friend. Oh, That's so sweet. Alex was patient. Our younger daughter would say that, you know, Alex would help teach her how to do things, different games, and he was always patient with her. Mm -hmm. As he was teaching her those things, he was smart, very smart. He was doing as his, you know, entered, he he had just started his junior year of high school. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was doing advanced level college courses wow. as a junior at school with a 4.0 plus GPA. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's impressive. Already for the last couple of years had said he wanted to become an anesthesiologist. Oh, like my husband. <laughs> yeah. When Alex was little, he was so easy. He yeah. just, you know, there wasn't any colic. There wasn't anything with him that was difficult. I would tell people he was like my easy button child, you know? Yeah. He just was happy and played and had friends and had fun. And, and he was your second child. Yes. So you had a three-year-old at the time, right? Yeah. And, um, he was my one though, that when we would go to stores or like if my mom and dad or Bob's mom and dad were coming over or anything, I always kind of held my breath a little bit because (laughs) He said what he was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We would be in checkout, you know, at at the store. And he would say something to the lady by us, you know, and I'd always be like, oh. (laughs) So I I was always kind of holding my breath, like what was going to come out of his mouth, you know, (laughs) around people. Because he, um, if their breath, you know, was stinky, he would, he would let them know. So um, that was very much him, but he was also my child that, you know, we um, moved into a different neighborhood mm-hmm. and he was going to have to, for fifth grade, change schools. Okay. And so he was going to leave all of his friends that he'd been, you know, we were leaving the neighborhood friends and those are, you know, everybody he went to school with and everything for those first years. And when I was like, okay, are you going to be Okay. He's the one who was like, mom, yeah, it'll be fine. He's like, I'm going to make new friends in fifth grade at this school. And then, but when I go to middle school, then next year, I'll be back together Uh with my friends, you know, that I, you know, my elementary school friends. 
And I'll have already then made these friends here and I'll just, it'll be good. I'll already have kids probably in every class that I'll know them. All right. Like he had such a great way of looking at everything. And I well, and almost like he was going out of fr- ahead of his other friends to like, I will find us some new friends to kind of go in and yeah. I'll pave the way for you guys. And then when you come in, then you'll be able to know even more people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Um, he, he, you know, when our kids were little, he played basketball, he played football, you know, tackle football, flag football, then some tackle football. Um, and he was pretty, pretty good. You know, yeah. but he wasn't the best ever. But I always figured he just liked the social aspect of it, of being a part of a team, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I love what you said about how everyone kind of would say he was their best friend. And I think that's such a special quality because it really means that he made people feel special. And he yeah. made people feel like they were the most important person in the room. And that's a yeah. really neat trait to have that. Yeah. 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 He was a good person and he cared what people thought about him. Yeah. And you said you did a lot of activities together as a family. So you were a close family. Yeah. Yeah, we did. You know, when the kids were little, we were either dirt biking or boating or camping or you you name it. We were doing something as a family pretty much every weekend. That sounds very much like our family. I remember people saying after Andy died that they didn't know how we were going to go on as a family because we were always a unit. We were described as like the unit. It was just the five of us going off and doing things together so much more than a lot of other families. A lot of other families. I mean, and, and certainly my kids all had their own things that they sort of liked too. But in general, we were still kind of a unit. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. I, I've, I've had people let me know, like, you know what? I don't want to say like envied or jealous, but that they looked at our family and saw yeah. how, you know, we did so much together and, you know, maybe their family wasn't exactly that way with whatever um, dimensions they had in their family, you know, and different things. And I was like, yeah, you know, we, we probably did more in Alex's lifetime with us than what maybe some families get to do. And Alex was close to his older brother, right? Yeah. You know, when they were little, they played together all the time. They would be off with neighbor kids and playing together. And our younger daughter would do everything and anything to keep up with her older brothers. And we lived in a neighborhood when they were little that was just full of boys. Pretty much everybody was sure that I had drunk different water to be able to get pregnant with Maddie or her. <laughs> So, you know, it was just boys were from this house to this house and playing on this swing set in this backyard and doing this in this backyard and very, very, very good. Yeah. 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 You know, and I would say as they got older, had they, be, you know, become a little bit different because they're not playing together and in that same way. And they were shaping more into their more of their interests. Caden you know, kept more into dirt biking and Alex was really getting more into baseball and working yeah. on fine tuning those things and working out with his friends on the baseball team and, and really doing that. So I would say they, you know, probably weren't as close as they were getting older, but yeah, still, there's still three that years apart box. too, you know, and when you're three years apart, 
you do start to get. So, you know, you're not always in the same school and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. You start yep. to notice the differences a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that was so nice hearing about Alex. So do you want to go on now and talk about kind of what happened with Alex and what was going on with him? Yeah. So Alex died by suicide on September 4th of last year mm -hmm. of 2021. Yep. Yeah. We didn't know Alex was struggling. We, we didn't see it now, you know, hindsight's 2020 sure. that you look back on things and, but that's just it. People, you know, ask me, you know, did you know, or were there signs and stuff? And I'm like, well, that's just it. I'm, I'm left wondering that, yeah. you know, because he was 16, yeah, 16 months, 16 years, five months and two days old. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a tough age with boys because they are maturing. Yeah. They, their personalities are changing. They're not the, you know, little boy run around and be silly and goofy anymore. And so you're, you're accepting that. Right. So that's, I look back at that and I'm like, I don't know. Was that just normal teenage boy? Yeah. Teenage angst a little bit, right? I mean, we see that yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. When you look at some of the things, I would say Alex wasn't all of the things that are on lists of things to look at or things that put you at, at risk mm -hmm. or, you know, signs and symptoms. Maybe it was one thing, but even then I would say it wasn't for a long time. Right. The Saturday before. Mm -hmm. Alex died. He was camping with his best friends from elementary school yeah. and, and doing that, you know, so he wasn't even a week before isolating or withdrawing from friends, you know, so for me to look at things and try to put my finger back on stuff, I'm like, well, he was, he was with friends, you know? Yeah. And they were two weeks into the school year and he was already working ahead in his classes and with, with A's, you know, so there wasn't anything there of where he was letting his grades go or not doing well in school. He wasn't drinking or going to drugs. I mean, just so, so shocking, right? Yeah, that Friday. So it was going into Labor Day weekend. Mm -hmm. the, so Friday, September 3rd, he had gotten trouble at school, uh -huh. which was unusual for Alex. Yeah. Like he, I, when he was little, I didn't even have to give him timeouts. He had never been grounded. And I got a call from the school and it was very odd. Yeah. Very, very odd. And I could, I was like, this is not my Alex. Right. And so I did some Googling of things and was like, how are we going to talk with him when he gets home and, and everything. And one of the things that came up for reasons for why he had behaved in the way he did is because they feel empty. Okay. And I was like, huh, is there something more going on with our boy that we need to talk with him about? Right. But we never got a chance to. Yeah. He, he didn't come home to us after school that day. He didn't come home. Oh, no. Oh, I'm so sorry so hard yeah yeah so what did happen next then so we didn't come home that night so I pretty much knew right away because we have like 360 with our kids when they started driving mm -hmm. that we had that on there to be able to 
yeah, monitor a little bit, you know, how they're doing and what's going on. And so he should have had baseball practice that day. And I was looking when I knew school was getting out. And it was then that I saw that he was actually heading towards home and not towards the training facility. Uh And I was like, oh, well, maybe. I was like, maybe there's not baseball practice today. It's the Friday going into Labor Day weekend. Right, and they just right. start practices this week again for fall ball. So I was like, oh, okay, well, he's on his way home. Okay, well, and I started like, okay, I haven't talked with my husband about what the school called me about yet. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just let him come home. But if we're going to wait to talk about it till, till Bob's home, all of us together. Right. And then as I was looking and I'm like, okay, he's, yep. Yeah, he's on his way home then it like froze on stopped at a spot. And I was like, you know, it it can be flaky with internet stuff. So I'm like going out of the app and going back in again and doing all this and that. And then I'm like, this is, this is weird. You know, like why, why isn't this refreshing or anything? And so then I, I was like, I got in my car and drove, I'm like, he's afraid to come home because he, got in trouble today at school, you know? And so I went and I drove there and couldn't find him. And so then I went and drove like, I was like, well, maybe his phone's, maybe his side of things is being weird. So I did go and drove like by the baseball field and went by where they went and worked out at and different things. And finally at that point, I was like, something's not right. Right. That's when I called my husband and I'm like, I'm trying not to freak out here and overreact, but something's not right. Yeah. And so then we started searching and we put things out on social media and everything for us searching for him. And of course, alerted police and they were a part of it and helping us. And so we found Alex the next day is why September 4th is the day he died. That I I never knew that before, that it's when they're found Uh is their death date. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in my mind, it's, it was September 3rd, but we right. couldn't find where he was. Yeah. Cause he had shut his phone off. Cause he had shut his phone off. Yeah. Oh. That, and that's where his last location was that that's why it was freezing on that spot to me is because that's when he shut his phone off. All right. Right. I see that he probably just thought, made that decision to turn that off at that moment. So hard too because you just don't know what exactly was going through his mind at the time. I don't. Yeah. 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 Just that it wasn't true, right? That's yeah. if I could tell anybody, and I've done some, some trying to raise awareness. Yeah. Because that's never anything we ever thought that was possible in our family. Right. You know. Right. You know if that voice is ever telling you that your family will be better off without you and that you aren't worth anything that 100% as a mom will tell you that voice is a lie. Right. Right. I mean, I, I've done some email exchanging with you and at the bottom of all your emails, you have something that, what does it say? Yeah. The world is better with you in it. Yep. The world is better with you in it. I loved that. I thought that was beautiful. And I think back to the very first time you wrote me, you didn't write me to be on the podcast exactly. You wrote 
asking to be in contact with Chrissy Slate, who has been yeah. on the podcast a number of times and who I consider a dear friend because her son, Caleb, died similarly, right? In that just yeah. completely and totally shocking out of the blue, no idea what was happening and what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. The, the shock of it that you don't see this coming at all. Right. Right. Not at all. It, and like I said, you know, there's things now that I look back on and I wonder about, Right. you know, that he, I, I know he was struggling. Yeah. But I do know also that it was an impulse with having talked with like my counselor mm-hmm. about it and stuff. You know, Alex didn't have any of those behavioral type signs that they would say come along with somebody who's able to do this in this lethal way in this final way you know he hadn't had prior attempts he wasn't he wasn't cutting and I even you know like called back later and asked them if they could confirm that for me yeah you know on and stuff in case there was something like maybe I just hadn't seen it right um he wasn't saying dark things to people or or anything. Yeah. I mean, you just know it was impulsive when you think about the fact that he was working ahead in school and doing all of this kind of stuff, like going out camping, all of those fun things. It was an impulsive decision. Yeah. And and teenagers make impulsive decisions. They do. They and their so... brains are not developed yet. No, no. We usually tell people, as a pediatrician, I usually tell people that your kid's brain is fully developed at around 26, and which, right. you know, is crazy. I think a lot of people would not realize that that's the case, but, you know, he was 16. He was 10 years from having a fully mature brain. Right. But yet he was so smart that yeah. I just, I think, like, once something was in his brain, how hard was that for him to shake? Because... He was. I mean, my husband and I have said how we, we missed those conversations with him because he would say stuff that I was like, I have I have no idea or clue like what he's talking about, but I just I miss that. Yeah. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. It's just such a tragedy. Mm-hmm. It is. And there's no undo button. No, no. It's that one impulsive choice that you can't regret. I mean, I think about all of the decisions that if you ask any adult, did you make some stupid choices when you were a teenager? And every single one of us would say, yes, we made choices yep. that we regret and that we shouldn't have done. All of yep. us. And did I get lucky? And there's a choice that you can't regret. You can't take it back. That, that one you can't undo. No, no, you can't undo. Oh, and I... You mentioned earlier, I think this was before we started recording, and how he was a, such a loving kind of buddy to you in a way that when you would travel for work, you would come back, he would be the one to be, welcome home, mom, I missed you. And Yeah, it's right? good to have you back home, mom. Yeah. And he'd hug me, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just not a kid that you would think would make this kind of decision and would be a kid that would knowingly want to hurt you. Right. I, I believe that, you know, since this, I, I've been blessed with, you know, people who I wouldn't have ever probably been connected with mm-hmm. previously, but now we are. And when other parents have shared their stories with me, 
I believe that Alex thought that we would be better off without him. Yeah. Because how, you know, he wasn't able to think of us in, in the right way. Right. Uh, He, he, he believed that. And from what I've learned is they're in so much pain that they just want that pain to stop. And even though it wasn't pain that was every second, because it certainly wasn't every second that you know anyway. Right, exactly. It, that's, you know, I look back and I'm like, well, you know, maybe that day coming through, was he not super happy, right? Yeah. But then I, he'd be belly laughing with his friends, right. you know. And so you're like, oh, my kid's okay, you know. Right. And, and he wasn't a kid that normally got in trouble either. So I think, Never. too, that happening was probably pretty devastating to him, thinking, Very. This Very. isn't, you know, my parents are going to be so disappointed. I never do this. I Right? And that's when Being your mind the then starts jumping to these conclusions. Oh. And then his friends asking, people asking him, Alex, why did you have to go back, go to the office? And him having to make up a story. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think he still felt like, you know, that was, it was going to come out and he was going to be in trouble. And how was he going to be able to be with his good friend group who don't get in trouble? And mm-hmm. he felt that loss of belongingness, I do believe. Mm-hmm. So talk about your grief journey a little bit. If you want to talk about kind of even some of that early early kind of things, because I know you said every kid that was his friend thought he was his best friend. So I imagine that time just for other kids would have been such a struggle too. Yeah. Yeah. So much, you know, that night we had community out searching for him, you know, and looking for him. And when he didn't come pulling in the garage that night. And it was the next morning was coming. I had reached out to the sheriff's office and had said, I wanted to form something more formal. You know, we had done, all of our friends had done within a 15 mile search of our house mm-hmm. the, the Friday night. But I'm like, but we obviously need to go out further or do those again. Yeah. And so we, we formed a search party of people going out and taking certain sections and that's when his car was found, mm-hmm. was during that in the morning. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very devastating for his friends, you know, to have been out and we were going to everywhere where where he went with them, you know, which was not where he was going to go. He wasn't going to ruin those fishing places or, or any of those places that he had been to with friends or family. Okay. Yeah. He thought about everybody in those ways, I do believe. But yeah, the, the grief. I don't know. I think I walked around in shock. For I think there's still times where I'm shocked and I can't really believe. Yeah. Like, I feel like I, there's times I'm on the outside looking in on, like I'm, I'm watching somebody else's life right mm-hmm. now. This this really isn't mine. Right. I and and I have to say, you think that's going to totally go away, but it doesn't. So I, the last week's guest was Mello, Chloe's mom, and she said, which I found this very, 
almost surprising, I guess. I don't know why I found it surprising, but she's 11 years out from the death of her daughter, Chloe, who never even came home from the NICU. And she said, sometimes I still can't believe this is my life. I still can't believe she's gone. And she, she didn't even have her at home ever, but yet, so, and 11 years, she still can't always wrap her head around the fact that her daughter is actually dead. And I find that I still have times like, what? Andy's dead? How is Andy dead? Like that, they don't go together, right? Andy was a kid that was full of life and energy and was always on the move and always on the go. (laughs) And it sounds like that's Alex a little bit too, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was off to here with this friend group or off to here with that friend group. And like, Yeah, yeah, to put them together as him just not being here anymore, just, just doesn't make sense. Right. It doesn't. And sometimes I wonder, is it because I do feel so connected with him? Yeah. But that is that why sometimes it is hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, he is gone. Because, I mean, I do feel connected with him. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. So, you know, I've always had faith. Yeah. But I think, thankfully, yeah. that this is something that's brought me even closer to my faith. Oh, good. And believing that I will see him again someday and it will be forever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad your faith can bring you closer. There are, you know, sometimes it brings you one way and sometimes it brings you the other. And sometimes I think it's messy. We've talked about that recently, that it's messy, that it can be on, on in one moment you can feel like your faith's as strong as it could possibly be. And in the next moment, you can be frustrated and upset and full of whys. And I definitely have those moments of where I'm like, why? Why me? Why? Or not so much why me. Why? Why my boy? Yeah, right. God, why did my boy have to have this illness? You know, why why my boy? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely have those moments where I'm like, I don't really, I'm not okay with that. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point. It's, you're not okay with it, no matter what, you're not okay with it. Yeah. But it is a reality that that is kind of forced upon you each and every day. We didn't get the choice. Right. We can't change it. And I didn't cause this. No. Those are those are things that I I've learned, you know. Right, and that's a great one too for you to say that you didn't cause it, because I do think there are people that struggle with that. Yeah, with struggle yeah. with blame. It, you know, there's definitely the guilt. You know, you look back and go, "What things could have I done differently?" Mm-hmm. And you wonder. Right. But I look and I go, "But I was." I was being a normal parent. Absolutely. You were We're parenting our children and you think you're doing a good job. And... Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you were doing a wonderful job. Really wonderful. So your older son was away at college at the time then, or? So actually, no, he, he's here at home. Okay. So he had graduated high school right. in May Okay. and started college in August. Yeah. But he's going to a technical college here in Sioux Falls, Southeast Technical College. And so 
he was opting to live at home and save money and not be out renting an apartment and everything. So, you know, I'm very grateful that he was at home with us to be able to be together and have those moments together and, and seeing how he was doing, you know, and not being far away is the more. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's so hard thinking about what you're going through personally, but then when you need to continue being a parent and you're worried about how the other kids are going to do, like yeah. your, your kids yeah. were close, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. You're still a parent that you're, you know, you're like, how are my other, how, yeah. how are my kids doing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So how was that? And how are they? You know, Kato's doing okay. He's yeah. able to talk with us. Yeah. And he and I have sat on the kitchen floor and cried together. Yeah. Um, we're, we're able to have that. Um, and that makes me feel better that at least he can express and, um, and do those things. And we talk about Alex, you know, yeah. and we're able to do that and have smiles and laughs about what he would do, or, you know, and different things. Um, our younger daughter, it's, it's harder for her. Yeah. You know, she cried pretty much every day that first week. And then when she went back to school, I feel like she sucked it all up into yeah. her at that time when she had to go back and be normal uh-huh. in front of her classmates. And she just wanted to be a normal kid that hadn't lost yep. a brother to suicide and yep. didn't want to be different. So she holds it all in. Cause she's 13 you know, at the time, right? Cause she, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then I go, I try not to overthink, but I am an overthinker, overanalyzer. Mm-hmm. And, and I try to tell myself like how she's going to grieve is going to be different than, than me though too. Right. And I re- try to remind myself that, that we all grieve differently. But it is a tough time to do, to go through. I, I think those middle school years are challenging yeah. anyway, and you just don't want to be different. You don't want to be different. Yeah, exactly. You just want to blend at those times, you know, in your life. Yeah. And you may see it later on, too. I know I've talked to a lot of people that a lot of times what end up, ends up happening with kids is kids will try to hold it in while they make sure the parents are okay. And once they feel like their parents are maybe okay, then maybe you can start to let a little bit of it out, you know? Yeah. There was one day I was standing at the kitchen counter, cutting something up, doing something. And all of a sudden I had felt her present, you know, that she'd come and was standing right at my side. Mm-hmm. And I, I turned and looked at her and she just broke down and just totally came into me and everything. And I just held her and she just bawled and let it out and said, I miss him. And I was so thankful. For I know, I know. Because she's trying to protect you and trying to protect you. But really, that yeah. was a gift, actually, that she did that for yeah. you. I was so thankful for it that I'm like, oh, good. She's she's letting it out. Right, right. And I think it was good for her to see, because I'm sure you cried when you held her. But you didn't completely fall apart. Yeah. You kept holding her and comforting her. No, yeah. And telling her, I'm here. I'm here, baby. And girl. that's, I'm sure, what she needed to see. Yeah. 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 
because I think their fear is if I completely fall apart on my mom right now, she's just going to be a heap on she the floor and she won't yep. be able to handle it. So I better yep. just suck it in and keep it in. Yeah. So what a gift that she did that, that she opened up like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think back to, you know, my son, Peter, who's not, a, was not a lot different in age than your daughter was. He was 12. So he was in seventh grade. And again, he just didn't want to be different. And, you know, he, Andy's funeral was on what would have been Andy's first day of high school and my daughter's first day. But um, the middle school, he, he was in a different, it was in the public schools. That started a week later. So he went to the first day of school pretty much like normal, right? They had like a little orientation for middle school that he didn't go to. Um, and then we went in to talk to the guidance counselor. I remember going in and she was very sweet, super nice. Of course, they had just had Andy, so they were all mourning him anyway, right? All the teachers and everybody yeah. knew him. Um, and they, he, she was like, we're going to make this year as good as we can and know that you can always come to my office, Peter. You can always, if things are too hard, you can always come and and do this and they did arrange rearrange his classes so they rearranged his schedule so that he would have a friend in nice. pretty much in each of his classes that somebody that he could kind of turn to okay but did he ever go to that guidance counselor's office nope never did never did and she was so sweet and super nice and i had conversations with her but and she would pop in sometimes to classes that Peter was in early on, uh -huh. I think under kind of a false pretense of her having some other reason to be there. But really what she was doing was checking on Peter. And I don't think he ever, you know, really showed much in the way of emotions, you know, in the class. He just didn't. And it didn't mean he yeah. wasn't hurting. But it's just yeah. like, just what they do. It's just what they do at that age. Yeah. Yeah. I met with a friend who, you know, her daughter even is it's older, you know, in her 20s, but doesn't talk about their son that they lost. Mm -hmm. And she's explained to her mom, she's like, I just can't. For me to function and do what I do, I just, I can't. And I've thought about that. And I'm like, for them to be, strong yeah. and in school and not showing their just letting their emotion, emotions come out at any moment they they unfortunately do i think learn how to mm -hmm. keep it in well and it's funny too because early on occasionally you know how you get at the beginning of the school year you get these kind of crazy assignments of like talking about yourself and about your family and all of these kinds of things and peter's had some of those assignments and he had a big one as freshman year starting out because, you know, he goes to, goes to the Aviation Academy and everybody's from all different schools all over the Grand Rapids area. So there aren't more than about – I mean, he had a little friend group that went that there were four of them that went together. But that's probably the most from any school. Like, it's – everybody comes from all different schools. And um, so they do these get-to-know-each-other things. 
and of course it was extraordinarily difficult like he absolutely could not do it and he's crying at home and then I'm having to talk to the teacher and like he can't do this assignment so he had to do something else but this year he had the similar thing so they had to write a poem or something and it was about a memorable moment in their life a moment that changed their life forever Well, there's nothing else he could write about. So he couldn't write about it. You're supposed to write a poem and then he was supposed to share it with his class and share it with the freshman class. Like he can't do that. So he ended up, but my, my point is for the first time he, they were supposed to be brainstorming about it and he's in the class and he sends his teacher an email who's across the room, but he doesn't want to set, go up there and say it out loud. So he sends the teacher no, an email no. and he says, I can't do this. I just can't do this. And, but I was so proud of him because every other time it had been me. It had been me reaching out to the teacher and telling yeah. the teacher that he can't do it. And, you know, this teacher, of course, yeah. knows because Andy died right before he was supposed to be starting school there. His sister was there. His sister had her as a teacher. She then was like, emailed me all apologetic. I never should have made this assignment for Peter's class. And like, you can't change your entire curriculum because of one kid. I mean, I don't blame her for it at all. But I told her I was actually really proud of him that he sent that email on his own and said, I can't do this assignment. And he came up with a different idea as to this, could this be something I do instead, which was great. I mean, they, they brainstormed together and came up with an alternate assignment. That's awesome. Yeah. But my point is, is that even though they sometimes don't show how they're kind of progressing and maturing through other grief and handling their grief, a lot of times they do it anyway, and it's happening. They are, though. Yeah. So it may be yeah. happening with her as well. You know, it likely yeah. is that she's doing a lot of kind of processing on her own. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just spend time sitting next to her and just being with her yeah. and asking her how she is really doing. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And that must be especially scary, too when you lose a child to suicide too. Uh, yeah. Yes. About worrying about your other children's mental health. Yeah. Cause something that you don't know until you've gone through this either is when someone, you know, has died by suicide, anybody who knew them is actually at greater risk mm-hmm. because even though we see the hurt from it, yeah, we do see how that was a, a solution. Yeah when it's really not a solution, but they do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it very much (laughs) works to be in tune, you know, Mm -hmm. with what is going on and how everybody really is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you talk about how now you try to talk a little bit about to people about suicide and maybe yeah. some a little suicide prevention. You do your own little suicide prevention in the world is better with you in it. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, the, that first week when we lost 
Alex sitting there on the bathroom floor just crying, you know, and I'm like, God, what do I do with this? Because I don't just lose my boy and not do something about it. And I think that's what I've just continued to care with me that I'm like, carry with me is because I'm like, we've had so many people say how this is scared them, right? Because we were the Coomer family in our, in our, in our neighborhood and in our community that it just, we were your normal family down the street. And so it's very much, you know, for everybody, it's like, wow, this, this really can happen. Yeah. Um, And so I do, um, I've had some invites to go out and speak and share our story and stuff and try to help kids to like talk Mm -hmm. that I believe if Alex would want me doing this, then he would want to tell you to talk to someone. Right. So you've been able to do that because that's really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, I have. The church that I grew up in and Mitchell invited me, asked if I would come and speak to their youth group and their families, their parents. Mm-hmm. And I, I did that actually last week and went and did that and shared Alex's story. And I had had a girl come up to me afterwards just sobbing and telling me thank you and hugging me. Aww. A beautiful high school girl. That's got to make your heart a little bit, I don't know. It's hard to know. But I I just, I think if I can help others. Yeah. You know, it's not easy to share Alex's story. No. But if I can do anything to help another family not going through this, to learn any bit of little things or just just knowing, having the awareness that it can happen. Because I never, even that day when I had Googled and thought, oh, well, is there something more going on with our boy? I still didn't even that day, like, think this was something possible. No, I'm sure not. Because you even read it's a sign of, uh, of emptiness or something. It couldn't be that they're feeling empty. But that would not no. make you jump straight to that empty. It didn't. No. Well, I'm glad that you are able to do a little bit because you are still so, so, so incredibly early in your grief. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, if I wait five years to start talking, think of all those people right. across that time that maybe should have heard the story about our amazing Alex right. to make them stop and think about like having the conversation with their kids. Well, I'm glad that that church reached out to you too, because sometimes that can be a struggle too, even with suicide and faith, that there are are some in different Christian churches that might not want to talk about suicide at church. They have a great family director uh-huh. there that she had with some others about how they wanted to do that and make a focus this year of making sure, like saying, we this year we really want to focus on connection and that we're connecting yeah. with people mm-hmm. and just with how serious of issue this is that talking about brain health. Yeah, I think there are people that just will, and their churches, that will kind of put their heads in the sand and say, this cannot happen to us. This cannot happen here. Yeah. And it can. Yeah. And so after I did speak that night, you know, I let the pastor know and I let the gal who had invited me in and everything that I worked with, I let them know. I'm like, thank you. You know, and I let them know like how great they're doing to not just ignore this and to be helping their youth and their families and 
that I let them know like how great they're doing to be doing that and offering that to their their youth. Yeah. And I know you did not see signs in Alex at all. And this came as a huge shock. But in this pandemic, this time of the pandemic, you know, being in pediatrics, I have never seen the kind of anxiety and depression and mental health struggles in youth that I have in the last two years. Yeah, It's, yeah. it's unbelievable to me. It's I mean, there are days I come home so, so overwhelmed by just seeing so much pain in these kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just, I, it's hard for me to believe. And it's hard too, because as you stated, you know, when you've lost your child, I just so desperately don't want to see it happen to somebody else. Right. Exactly. And that's, I'm like, yeah. And that's what you're feeling. I like to think that I'm the one that took this for all moms and this should never happen again for anybody else. And even though I didn't lose Andy by suicide, I did lose him suddenly. And when I see kids coming in who are suicidal, I do look at those parents and think, I do not want you to be me. I do not want you to be me. I do not want you to be a bereaved mom or be a bereaved parent. I mean, it's just a scary thought to me. And all I try to do is try to, you know, help as much as I possibly can to prevent another broken family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because our kids should be here. You know, it's something that I will always think like, man, he should, he should be here. Right. That is totally right. We have our kids to think that we will go before them. This isn't natural for them to have gone before us. And all those dreams that we had for them are just gone. Yeah. Yeah. Have there been ways that the community has kind of honored Alex or the other kids or anything? Um, We have. So we do. We had our first Alex Coomer Memorial Baseball Tournament this year. And we had several teams there. And that's where I shared Alex's story. Uh And then we had one of the doctors from one of our behavioral health places here in town came and spoke after me then too and shared more things too that was good for people to hear. You know, like people didn't know some of the things, you know, that we we shared and talked about to help Uh them. And so we do that. And they put Alex's number was 13. Uh And a couple dear friends, after he passed, got together and made T-shirts with a baseball with the number 13 on it. And then angel wings coming out to the Aww. side. And then on the back, it said, fly high. They say fly high, Big Al. Because that was kind of a joke, was was Big Al, Big Al. on the baseball Okay. <laughs> and so with that, we we have that. And they put that, put a sign out in the outfield with that on it and Alex's name and his date, his dates, you know, and, and the most important part in there is that dash, right? The life he lived in between those two dates. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we also have planted a tree at the baseball field. Alex's one of his best friends. That was what they always wanted to do was plant a tree somewhere. So then we worked with, 
the baseball team and the city of Harrisburg and where we could plant tree and what kind of tree. And so we planted a tree that will be Alex. That, that is Alex's tree. And then we're going to put a rock at the bottom of it. And we have to do that part yet, but we, we've had that and putting that up for him. That's beautiful. That's just such a big part, I think, of just wanting our kids remembered. Yeah. When they die too young, yeah. right? You're just like, man, I really want my child remembered. Yep. I, I don't want him forgotten. So anything we can do to keep his name out there and people remembering the amazing young man that he was, yep. right? That that best friend that he was to them and his laugh, his belly laugh that he could do. Yep. And, and the kid that could make anyone and everyone feel special. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Steph, for coming on the podcast today and sharing Alex with us. He just really was an amazing, amazing young man. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com. Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.